hello, my name is Joe, this month's host of The Commentarians. And this is Doug Overmeyer with CRC Ministry, a website and a podcast. And we're here to talk over your movies. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to The Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? Husband Bulge is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. <laughs> I saw a squirrel. I am going to point out real quick, this to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. <laughs> we are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survive, and there's a God who heals of these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, he's about his kingdom. Because it is kind of like this idea that Jesus died for all of our sins, except when you had sex. And Jesus doesn't cover that. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to The Commentarians. As I mentioned before, I'm here with Doug Obermeyer. How you doing, Doug? I'm doing well, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. I'm kind of a groupie, so I'm like, oh, I get to hear the guy's voice right, <laughs> right in my headphones. <laughs> well, yeah, because I'm a big fan myself. I've been listening to your podcast and reading your articles uh, since uh, I heard about you, and you're, you were on last year during our Halloween episode where you did the Frighteners, mm -hmm. and uh, if people didn't hear that, uh, tell us a little bit about your ministry. Well, CRC ministry is just a little thing I have on the side. I, um, it helps people who see spiritual things with their eyes, mm -hmm. typically. Sure. Um, sometimes um, sometimes uh, in their dreams, but usually in their waking state, mm -hmm. and uh, helps them try to process it through a particular worldview. Right. So you do look at uh, the supernatural world, but again, through the Christian perspective, uh, which mm -hmm. I think is really important because, I, as I mentioned in the coming attractions, what I like about you is that there are kind of ministries and pastors who talk about the supernatural, but it's very kind of weird sounding to normal people. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. I, and I think that yeah. you keep it grounded. And I think that that's really why your ministry is really important and why I really mm, like you. uh, your yeah. articles and your, uh, your podcast. Yeah. We, we were having experiences in our family many years ago, 15 years ago mm. and did not have a, we were Christians, but we didn't really have a grid to quite understand it. And, most of the material available that spoke to this, these experiences was from the pagan mindset. Sure. Um, I might say the new age mindset, but I just, I prefer to call it the pagan mindset. And, yeah. and, uh, but the, but there were some Christian stuff out there, but it was just, was not, it was just weird. And it was not speaking to my <laughs> art experiences at all. And it was just, was not, did not seem theologically rooted. Right. <laughs> It was a little fluffy and unicorns and just was weird. And so that, that started us on a long journey of just research and just trying to figure this out. Eventually, uh, we, my wife and I just decided we needed to put a different perspective on the website, on the Internet yeah, um, for free. And, and uh, you know, there's, there's really no money behind it. I just was able to learn how to do a WordPress blog and started writing articles and I think it fills in an important niche. Yeah, it really, really does. Because like I said, there, like you you know, you mentioned, uh, some stuff isn't really that biblically based. And so it's really mm -hmm. good because, like, you know, there are, you know, people. The thing of it is, is that 
as much of a skeptic as I am, there are people who see things who don't can't explain it. There's people who are actually looking for it and who have mm-hmm. weird ideas about it, but there's people that mm-hmm. every all of us have, you know, heard a story or know somebody or have personally experienced things we can't explain. And we have to kind of as Christians, we have to, you know, kind of try to figure out an answer for it if we, you know, if we would like. Yeah. I want to help people. I can't always explain exactly what they're seeing because the brain is very easily shaped. Sure. But I want to help people think think better about it. Yeah. So if they can if they can if they can put their experiences within it within a worldview that I think is a better worldview um, than what our society provides, and that's just to be frank, it's, I try to get into how Jesus thought about the world. Mm. <clears throat> and Jesus was a second temple Jew, but not every second temple Jew thought the same way. You know, so he had the the correct worldview. <laughs> he right, the, exactly. He, he nailed it, right? He he knew because obviously, um, <laughs> you know, we're Christians. So, and if I can get into how he thought about it or how Paul, you know, parsed it, if we can get into that mindset and then think about our supernatural experiences from that perspective, while while acknowledging that we live in a scientific age and, and we can we can accept that not everything that is weird is supernatural. Some things are just scientific and easily explained uh, with by a chemical imbalance. But some things are, and and that's what was so going to be so interesting about this topic, Mm. um, because uh, I I have delved into journals, scientific journals, and to try to think about supernatural things from different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And because again, sometimes we project a narrative that isn't there onto events, right? uh, For various reasons and. Yeah, so I think you know sometimes people think, and I've had people write in to me or contact me uh, through the ministry, and I'm pretty sure they have not seen a spirit. I'm pretty sure they're experiencing something else. Hmm. Other times, um, people, you know, I'm pretty sure they they are seeing spiritual things, and they yeah. just, you know, they're being oppressed. And often people don't like the answers um, because I try to have biblical answers hmm. to why people get spiritually oppressed and. Um, so it's, anyway, I try to be reasoned. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely a believer in a supernatural perspective, but that doesn't mean we check the brain at the door, you know? Right. And so, and that's kind of like what bothers some people is that, yeah, at the end of the day, we are believers. So we do have to come at it through that perspective as well. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) sometimes that's the answer, you know? And then again, it's some some Christians, (laughs) you know, want a Christian answer and sometimes it's a scientific answer and, they don't like that. Yeah. So, but a scientific scientific worldview, scientific science properly understood, is rooted in the Christian worldview that God yeah. is rational <laughs> and that He created a rational universe, and we can think rationally about it while acknowledging that in the biblical worldview there there just wasn't a lot of difference between natural and supernatural. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. And so, and it's okay to accept that, and it's also okay to say that you know I I just don't know I I don't have the framework for that. But I do know the answer. If it's physical or if it's spiritual, I, I know the, I, I know the answer. The, the answer is the Lord Jesus, yeah. usually, and and submitting more to His will. So that that's always a good, you know, that's yeah. a, <laughs> to come a back good to answer. Um, yeah, because uh, you know, in my own life too, I'm like, man, why is this going on? Well, I don't know why this is going on, but I could probably do a better job submitting myself <laughs> to God's will. <laughs> you know. All right. So uh, 
we should get into the movie. Uh, sure. The movie is called The Nightmare, uh, uh, directed by Rodney Asher, and it is we're going to watch it through Amazon Prime. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, we recommend you see it. If you want to see the movie, watch it beforehand and then watch it again with us. If you're not interested in watching the movie, then that's okay because we're going to talk about these things more broadly so that anyone can enjoy it. We will make references to what's happening on screen, but again, we'll describe anything that needs to be described. And, um, you know, so that, you know, anyone can listen or watch with us however you want to do it. So uh, we are paused at zero. So uh, I'm going to do a countdown, three, two, one, and play. And then when I say play, you guys mm -hmm. press play. And then we can, you know, we'll describe a little bit about what's happening on screen and so to see and to make sure that you're lined up. So let's get started. Uh, three, two, one, play. Okay. Red lettering turns into film rise. Blackout. And... Uh, word, words come up, uh, nightmare, it's a description, Middle East, uh, Middle English denotation on evil spirits, uh, thought to lie upon the surface sleeper, uh, and suffocate sleeper, sorry. For many, sleep is fraught with things worse than bad dreams. This is a story of eight people and what waits for them uh, in the darkness. So, mm -hmm. uh, this is about... Sleep paralysis disorder. Um, and oh, how would you describe sleep paralysis disorder? Doug. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sleep paralysis disorder is... It's the impression that... Well, you want the scientific study or what the people think? It, Just you, you in know, general, like, yeah, because we have, you know, we can describe it different ways throughout the movie, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's basically when someone in the middle of the night or in the night, um, they, they appear to wake up, they are paralyzed. Mm -hmm. um, they have the impression that there is somebody evil in the room. They have usually have a difficult time sleeping uh, they, and, and it's terrifying. Um, and they can't come out of it. They can't move. They can't really engage what they feel like is somebody's in the room. Um, they have a hard time breathing and they, they just can't snap out of it. Yeah. That's, that's sort of the, and over, and it's, it's extremely common throughout history. Sure. Um, the nightmare, nightmare, mare, that is, that is like a word for like an evil spirit. It's just an, it's in all these ancient cultures throughout, throughout, um, it's just, it's just common to the human experience. And one of the studies I read, said anywhere between one and 44 percent one percent and 44 percent of people experience <laughs> sleep paralysis i'm like well that's not helpful yeah <laughs> thanks science you know but it's it's uh and that's just a real clinical way of describing it but yeah. apparently it's terrifying i've never had sleep paralysis that i that i remember mm -hmm. have you i've had just a sleep paralysis i've never had the the visions uh i described in the coming attractions that uh one time I woke up and I could not move. I, my eyes were open and I could look around my room, but I could not move at all. And that only lasted a few seconds, but that was terrifying. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. again, the, the, the kind of the scientific idea is that our bodies go into a bit of a paralysis when we fall asleep so that we don't act out our nightmares or our dreams. Right. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of yep. like a safety thing. <laughs> 
And then, the, and we actually described that in the coming attractions also that uh, sleepwalking is kind of the, <coughs> oppos- the, uh, the opposite of that. It's when, mm, yeah. you know, when your body doesn't paralyze itself and you actually act out your dreams and uh, that could hurt people quite a bit. And uh, so this is kind of the opposite where you dream things or you think you're dreaming or maybe you're not dreaming, however we, you know, and, uh, but you can't move. And you feel like you're yeah, awake, I mean, but you cannot move. Right. It's basically we have different levels of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And in sleep, you, you go into – you have light sleep. You go into REM sleep. You go into deep sleep. And it's when you're coming in and out of REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. And that's, that's, that is a dreaming stage. But it's when you're coming in and out of that and something goes wrong. And when, you go, when you're when you in REM sleep, your body is paralyzed, so you don't act out like you're saying. Um, but – if something goes wrong coming in and out of that position and then, you know, then you have the percept, these people have a perception of being awake and, and their senses are picking up things in the room. And this is, this is a, a very clinical way of describing it. Sure. Sure. And their mind is, is trying to put a narrative to it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, you know, and the narrative is <clears throat> pretty consistent and scary. And usually the people are, are usually, and just like slightly over 50 percent in one study, uh, people who have sleep paralysis are, are laying on their back, hmm. you know, and they have maybe have some trouble breathing, and uh, you know, and um, I I don't know if that's useful or not, you know, but if people have it, I want to sleep sleep on their side too. But <laughs> anyway, so they have this perception of uh, of just being terrified, yeah, and and then eventually they they come out of it. I, I'm not really sure how people come out of it, but it happens recurring. Now we can mimic this in, in the lab, I and mean, we know it's a cascading series of things in the brain that that cause that cause this. Huh. No one knows why exactly. Sure, but it, it's just a cascading series of biological things that we, we know uh, a certain neurotransmitter isn't firing correctly, or a chemical isn't firing correctly you know there's all these things that you can measure it no one really knows why sleep paralysis happens mm-hmm. you just know that and when you lay you know certain conditions happen in your brain and in your body people are more likely to have it and usually there's there people are going through a s- stressful there's there's more stress in their lives i think a lot of students a lot of college students have it mm. um, a lot of uh, people going through uh, just different you know if their life is heightened stress yeah, and I can imagine right now uh, we're recording this um, during the coronavirus thing, and um, it's I can imagine lots of people are having sleep paralysis throughout this because all the ad- added stress in people's lives, right, <clears throat> in the last six months. But I uh, just throughout history, people have interpreted it as a spiritual attack. Yeah, um, because there's something scary in the room. They think it's, a, it's some sort of some sort of creature uh, maybe sitting on them strangling them maybe just in the room watching them mm-hmm. um and uh but it's common apparently it's terrifying yeah i mean the people in this film are just now you know and i've read several studies and i've had people write in the website about it because i deal with people who see spirits and so often people are waking up in the middle of the night and i don't know if they're having sleep paralysis or not but they are seeing things in the room spiritual mm-hmm. They think they perceive it as spiritual things, yeah. and then they, they want to, you know, a way of thinking about it. My daughter, when, um, when she was my oldest daughter, when she was like four or five, 
she often had visitations at night, but she was not paralyzed. Hmm. She, oh, and this, are you seeing Anna here on the screen? Yeah. Is that, what is that behind her? Is that an upside down cross or I, don't I guess know. it's a hanging cross. Right. Because she talks about this in a spiritual sense. Her stories are very much based in spirituality mm-hmm. and it sounds Christian and it looks like there is a cross behind her, but the top part seemed a little longer. Maybe it's a chain, right? But yeah. I thought, man, that's a cross on the wall. Right. Maybe the first thing you want to do is get rid of that. <laughs> she she talks about it in a spiritual sense, mm-hmm. but but not in a Christian sense. Yeah. You know? And she has a sexual encounter. I think she describes it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's the thing. Some of these studies, some of the... Some of these people who have sleep paralysis have extreme versions where they're of it, where they're they're being perceived of being raped, or the entity is screaming at them, and and or they're being assaulted. Mm-hmm. And I just I just have a hard time reconciling those experiences with uh, with sort of the clinical analysis, right? Of terror. Yeah, you know, I'm mentioning my daughter, but she she would have visitations at night. And it took a while to sort of figure out how to keep the house, our home, clean, mm-hmm. uh, spiritually clean, clean, so that we wouldn't be attracting spirits right. um, that were um, oppressing her. But I think once she described, I didn't know it was sleep paralysis at the time, but once she described that, there was a spirit in her room. And normally, she'd get out of bed, she'd come running into our room, mm. and then she'd crawl in our bed, and you know. And but once she, she, she actually, she was telling us she was. I think I bought my wife flowers or something. I don't remember exactly, but she was just rambling on and on about how, how good the, the flowers smelled and how the roses smelled. And she made this reference to, this is how Jesus smells. And we, and my wife and I looked at her like, what do you mean how Jesus smells? And she, you know, how a kid who has a spiritual experience that her parents didn't, had never had. Right. Looked at, she looked at us like, like, what do you mean? How, everybody knows how Jesus smells. Well, you know how Jesus smells? Of course you, I mean, <laughs> duh. I'm like, no, no, we don't. We never smelled. How does Jesus smell? She, so she described the situation, which, in hindsight, you know, 15 years, no, well, 10 years later, I think it's, it was an episode of sleep paralysis, where she woke up in her room. Mm-hmm. She saw the shadow creature in the corner. Mm. She was terrified. She couldn't move, and she said she was too scared to get out of bed. Now, I don't know if she was too scared to get out of bed. Or maybe she just couldn't get it out of bed, and that's just how she interpreted it. Mm. But she she started praying in her head, "Jesus, come help me." Something like that. And she said she, she knew Jesus came because the spirit left and then the room smelled and then the spirit, something laid down next to her and then the room smelled like roses and she had peace and love. Oof. And I'm like, oh, that's how Jesus, oh, and I'm like, you know, the Bible says something about the Rose of Sharon, you know, he's, and she, of course, she did, our daughter did not know anything about that, but right. I, I just, yeah, we're just like, oh, <laughs> exactly. like, she... that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's, the, and the, you know, the, and that we can mention that, uh, you know, that's going to come up later in one of these, uh, one of these folks that uh, the director talks to that that's kind of what happens to them. And so we can talk more about that when she talks about it, but uh, it, it is this re this really interesting thing that this director does is that she does talk to people who are, you know, who talk about this in a spiritual sense that's not Christian. She also talk he also mm-hmm. talks to Christian to a Christian person yeah. and then talks to people who don't believe at all. 
and all of their different interpretations and what happens to them throughout this, you know, (laughs) throughout their lives in this experience. Yeah. Now this, this one, this, I mean, he does a great job. The the director does a great job of creating a terrifying situation. Yeah. Of the reenactments. I've read stories like these and then, you know, you read them. It's one thing and someone tells you about them. It's another, then you just sort of live through it through the magic of movie making. Yeah. And it was terrifying. I mean, I can understand now this, this character, the story we're getting, she, she has a spiritual interpretation too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing there's a, there's a Christian researcher named Chris white who had a book has a book out about sleep paralysis. And he argues that um, calling out that he, he just basically said, this is a spiritual experience and you, you can deal with it in a spiritual way uh, through a, through prayer and it'll work. I, you know, and I, I mean, I don't know, maybe. I, it seems like a lot of situations are just, so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Is it a physical thing or is it a spiritual thing? I, if it's a physical, just a physical thing, and some of these characters that we're going to meet in the movie, movie, I think they go way beyond into horrific spiritual experiences. Right. And they're, I think they're, I think they're really oppressed. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the some of the researchers will say, well, they may have bipolar or they may be schizophrenic. People who are bipolar or schizophrenic are more inclined to to uh, these episodes. And I'm like, well, yeah, people who are bipolar and schizophrenic also may be more inclined to be just misunderstood. It's really, spiritual people who have supernatural experiences all the time, and they're just they're just misunderstood and they're classified as bipolar and schizophrenic because. Uh, Western science doesn't know what to do with these people. Right. Or maybe they have a chemical imbalance, you know, and they are schizophrenic. I mean, there's, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying there's one answer fits all. Mm -hmm. I I think there's, we can be on a spectrum and the spectrum is not simple. Mm. People's experiences are so diverse. And sometimes, you know, sometimes Sometimes the sickness is from a spirit. Sometimes it's just because you, you were unhealthy, like you, you didn't take care of yourself. And sometimes, you know, coronavirus is just coronavirus. It's just a virus that comes and it kills a few people, and it's horrible. If you sure. a lot of people, other times, you're being spiritually attacked. Mm-hmm. And you know, and so Chris White argues that uh, praying in the name of the Lord will end these episodes. And I know people, other researchers, who talk about alien abduction scenarios mm. and the perception of alien abduction is can be stopped by praying and calling out to the name of the Lord Jesus. And, and, the, and the UFO ufologists, people who are UFO researchers really hate that solution. Sure. Even the ones who think that these aren't aliens from another planet, they may be aliens from another dimension or something. Mm. They, they just hate the solution because it, it just falls. So it contrary to their worldview. Right. But what if it's just a physical thing? Like like the here in the film, you know, they, they show these brain synaptics sort of thing, kind of alluding that maybe it's in their head. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. But you know, the Lord can heal physically too, you know, or or maybe maybe if someone is is having a sleep paralysis episode and, and they're stuck coming in or out of REM sleep, and maybe the like organizing the the the, the brain into a prayer organizes the thought enough to allow the person to come out of the sleep paralysis. Right. You know, 
So for for I would call mild the, the mildly terrible ones. Mm. Yeah, so I, I, I I don't know. I'm I'm sort of throwing spaghetti. This is what I do when I work <laughs> with people. Like I just throw spaghetti on the wall, and something might something will stick. You know? <laughs> right. Because what they're describing in the movie, and they're kind of acting it out. They're sh- they're having reenactments. Is that they're saying mm-hmm. that there's these three dimensional shadow people. Like that's how they describe them. And as yep. they get closer to them, sometimes they see them in the corner. Sometimes they actually see them walk, like open the door and walk through it. But there's these three-dimensional shadow people, and they, as they get closer, they bring this horrifying energy with them. And they yes. can feel it in the room, and it's loud, and it's horrifying. And one person described it, described it as it's almost like they're bringing hell with them. And so yeah. that has to be, I mean, just that description is terrifying. And the, yes, and, the, and well, the scariest part of that is that, and what might people might, it might lead people to believe that, oh, this is actually something supernatural and spiritual, something that really that's happening is that a lot of people, uh, tons of people have that exact same experience. And a lot of the people yes. in this movie are describing the same thing happening to them, which is what makes it that much more terrifying. Mm-hmm. And what were you yeah. saying? And well, no, it, it makes and some people who have never had these experiences and to study it by reading papers and interviewing people mm-hmm. will think, well, yeah, it's just it's just uh, it's just part of the human experience. You know, we're all human, and we all have so, and we just this is just what you, happens when you have. You know these these thirteen things, these thirteen conditions, or however many uh, thirteen. Mm-hmm. Bad example. These <laughs> X number of conditions happen to you while you're sleeping, and you know, and then you have this this perception of a supernatural thing. Okay, well maybe, or maybe they're having a supernatural thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because like, well, because there are things that happen to a lot of people that are very similar. That are that is kind of, you know, just something about being human. For example, a lot of people have the nightmare of their teeth falling out. You yeah. know, a lot of people have that. And so people believe, like scientists and anthropologists believe, that when we were hunter-gatherers, you know, we had, like, the human beings who first, you know, were learning to hunt, you know, to hunt animals, maybe somebody knocked out their teeth and realized, if I lose this, I will die. I will not be able to eat. And it became Mm. such a terror within those people that it actually permeated throughout human history, that it kind of dealt, like it got imprinted into human psyche. And so to the point where even today we have that same nightmare. And so it's not really supernatural. It's just something that's, you know, a holdover, kind of a... um, a a what do you they call that the um oh god it's such a simple word when you touch a baby's hand and it closes it's instinctual kind of yeah. thing and so that's and or so maybe it's- right and so because that happens a lot of people like you know scientifically speaking a scientific explanation is that this is similar the reason so many people have these similar three-dimensional figures coming into their room experiences is something that is indented, you know, kind of an instinctual thing that is in the human psyche. Yeah, so there's something, such a thing as epigenetics, where uh, where memories are imprinted on cell, and the cell membrane. Hmm. 
memories are imprinted on cellular membranes and and not just in your not just in your head but throughout your whole body and and some of this will actually be, can be passed on genetically which is and then which is it's interesting which is how i think by the way uh um memories of past quote unquote past lives happen hmm. is because people are are accessing memories that have been imprinted on their on their genetics uh, on their genetic structure and it just passes on it's a whole new it's a whole really interesting kind of fascinating a little bit scary uh realm of science that we're discovering mm -hmm. so maybe yeah maybe there's something to that where i i would interpret a dream of people's teeth falling out meaning that they're uh um as just as they're aging and and the, and they're losing um some of their innocence but anyway that's sure but but there's a lot of there's and it's not just that there's a lot of dreams that a lot of people have similar you know you know th that a lot of people have these similar dreams and we don't know why and it could be like like you said it, they're losing their innocence they're afraid of you know a sexual experience they're afraid of all different kinds of things and we all have very similar nightmares and it's not something supernatural it's just something that is part of the human psyche yeah but how they're how these people are experiencing it just yeah seems little, well beyond, beyond I, that yeah yeah you know, i'll have a bad dream and you know wake up and terrifying and i know if, I'll, I'll assume it's my brain trying to work out a fear that i have sure and this is the one that we were talking about, uh, this, and she actually lives in Costa Mesa. She's the one that talks about how she was a rebellious kid. She was going through a lot as a teenager when this started, but she, she had been experiencing this since she was a little girl. And then, you know, I don't know if she talks about it yet, but no, uh, it's much later. Yeah. She talks about it. And so. Well, and she's the one that says that she was a uh, she was an atheist. She didn't believe at all, and then mm -hmm. she called on Jesus, and it stopped. Yes, I, I and I I still can't believe this movie went there. Yeah, I know. But that, that's, um, that's but why that I, is yeah analogous to an email I received right when I started the website. Um. Right when I started the website, I had an email from somebody and who was – she described basically classic sleep paralysis um, symptoms. I, did, I didn't know what sleep paralysis was at the time, and I just replied back by email. Um, well, I don't know what your belief systems are, but it's helpful. You know, do, a prayer, do this prayer before you go to bed. And it wasn't anything fancy. It was just a prayer I came up with on the spot. It was just like this, this bedroom is – I can't remember. It's on the website. It's just pretty much, you know, this bedroom is, belongs to the Lord Jesus, and anything that's not aligned with God is with Jesus is not welcome here. Something like that. And then it, when it happens to you, if, it, when you get attacked and then you wake up in the night and you see the thing in the room and you can't move and you're terrified, um, just call out, just call out for Jesus. Just say, "Go in the name of Jesus." So that's all you have to say. Go in the name of Jesus. And if you can't say it out loud, think it. Think it as hard as you can. Mm. And uh, she, so I sent that email back and. And she replied, well, it worked. And I'm an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> so that I'm questioning my beliefs. <laughs> I'm like, well, 
Yeah. So I, I've had people say, well, well, you know, God doesn't answer atheist prayers or non-believers prayers. I'm like, are you kidding? Every Everybody starts off as a non-believer. Well, yeah. Of course he answers non-believers prayers. <laughs> and I, yeah, I'm not a, uh, a biblical scholar. You know, I think uh, uh, Nathan and Emily would know a lot more about this. But I think in the Bible, there are people who are helped by God who are not believers, who are actually pagans. And that's that there's yeah. precedent for that. And uh <laughs> yes. you know, I mean <laughs> so, not to mention everybody who is called in God's family is Yeah, exactly. Off. We're not yeah. Christian to begin with and Yeah. Yeah. The, the the story that we're seeing here and this guy, the guy who's talking and they the basically the two he, he basically describes sort of the classic alien gray figures. Yeah. This this and they came to him when he was a little little guy. Mm-hmm. This must have been just—I mean, this is how terrifying. Yeah, just how terrifying. And I get so frustrated with parents who don't, who, when their kid tells them there's a monster in the closet or a monster came and visited me or there's a monster in my bed, and they they just ignore it. What if the kid's right? Yeah. What, what if there is something in the closet? And you know, what if there is something there coming? Sure. What if there's not? At least, at least affirm the, at least affirm your child's emotions. Yeah, because that, that, you know that's what? terrifying. Even if it's not real, it's terrifying. Yes, yes, and you know, and it's okay if the kid wants to have some nightlights on, and just be aware the nightlights will create shadows. Make sure the shadows don't look like creatures. You know, it's like, <laughs> no. but it's, I mean, I oh. If your child is saying there's a monster in the in the room, just act like it's true. Yeah, and and engage it in a in a very spiritual way. We, but through prayer, you know, in the name of Jesus, anything in this room, get out and you open the window. And you know, if you're a spirit and you're in this room, get out right now. One, it, it'll be faith building to the child. Mm-hmm. That one, my my parents, you know, not just in, in God, but in, in you as parents. Yeah, I, I just. You know, and if you haven't, and you know your kid did this, went through this, and you just scoff at it and, and you regret it, well, it's not too late. You know, it's not too late to repent and, and ask God for help mm. and intervention. And and Jesus is as God has such, such tremendous grace and forgiveness, willing to give us so much mercy. Mm. Um, it, it does require some repentance. Right. I mean, require you know, changing our how we think, changing our mind. And, mm. And it's okay to admit that we were wrong and that we got it wrong. Like, you know, the, the character here is Googling Shadow Man. That's how people come to my website. They just Google sure. things. <laughs> and they just, you know, and and here's where they're getting to the scientific stuff. Like, oh, lots of people have experienced this. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I I was looking at, there's there's passages in the Bible that allude to sleep paralysis. In, in the book of Job, there's a, there's a situation where, the character is describing his spirit passing in the night, his hair standing on end. Now, I've never been so afraid, I, at least I can't think, that my hair has stood on end. Yeah. That's a thing, and that's terrifying. Mm. And when I was looking in, in the Bible for a couple of passages, and there's also uh, a reference to Lilith, Lilith, the spirit Lilith, like a night monster. Mm. And that's sort of the origin in, in mythology of of the nightmare it sort of the origin of it goes back to ancient Samaria and Lilith was a night demon who would come and, and uh, supposedly she was like Gilgamesh's grandmother, but you know, it's a demon who would come and like attack men at night and they would have nocturnal emissions and, you know, that sort of thing. And, sure. but they, or, or just would attack them and have a, 
give them sort of sleep prop, you know, sleep paralysis. And anyway, so it goes way back, but there, I, I just, I was looking up, I was trying to quickly find the passage, um, in Job and I Googled terror, mm-hmm. spirit and terror. I Googled terror. Turns out that word terror is in the Bible a lot. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking that, you know, fear, terror, it, it's just a horrible, horrible emotion. Mm-hmm. And it's a natural emotion and, and, and circumstances, you know, but I just think terror and fear. And one of the characters in the film makes an illusion that she thinks that these things feed on fear. Right. And I, I agree with that. I think demons, I think spiritual creatures, wicked spiritual creatures feed on fear. They feed on sin. They feed on fear. Mm. And I, I think, uh, you know, and we, the Bible says uh, perfect love casts out fear. I mean, the opposite of fear is love. And, but perfect love, God's love, the love of Christ, the love of God, that selfless love, that power, that love that has power to change hearts. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I talked to my daughter when she's going through a, sp- you know, uh, see, I almost said it, I almost said spell, a spell. You know, we say these things, right? And I, I've wondered, some of these people maybe had a, like a, a spiritual assignment against them, a spell by a witch or something. Yeah. Or gen- a genetic, a genetic, a generational curse mm. um, that followed them through the family line. And sometimes these things seem to follow, not just genetic dispositions, but they, they seem to follow family lines. Hmm. And uh, maybe, but sometimes when she, she'll go through a period of being terrified, and you know, we talk about God's love, and she's like, I don't know how to do that, I don't know how to counter the fear with God's love. And I'm like, Well, that's when we, we worship, you know, and she'll have praise and worship songs going on. Oh, this thing here, what she says about the blobs, yeah, black blobs coming into her room, yeah, yeah. First of all, this is just super terrifying, yeah. But second of all, I have, I've had a ton of people write to me through the website of, of them seeing spiritual things that are blobs blobby mm. blob I, and not just at night not through sleep paralysis but they're seeing some people lots of people see spiritual things uh, during the day and they describe these things sort of following people mm. and i think it's i think their brain i think their brain is picking up on something visually and the brain doesn't quite know how to interpret what they're seeing and it just manifests in their mind as as a blob blobby thing sure and it globs onto people. Sometimes it like will like be be on them. And I think it's just again. I think so. She's terrified, and things are tr- attracted to her. I think spiritual creatures feed on it. And does that mean every sleep paralysis situation is spiritual? I don't think so. I, I don't really think it. Maybe not even a majority of them are aren't spiritual. But if your body is manifesting a terror state, a fear state. And you have some spiritual creatures in the area who feed on that. Why wouldn't they attack it? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's 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 kind of like something that uh, the director does a lot of is shows a lot of like behind the scenes kind of stuff. mm -hmm. You know, like in the very beginning, there was a news broadcast and it showed like the behind the scenes of the news broadcast and then it shows him like starting to record the the first interview and stuff and i think what the director is saying is that there is a kind of a director of these you know yes. kinds of things yeah. and he that's what the filmmaker is trying to show 
and that's what the uh, you know that 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 it's all coming from one entity, from one you know mm-hmm. thing, and that's his way of interpreting you know because again, all these are reenactments, you know, of trying to show all these dreams happening, but at the same time, he's showing him making these things happen. And it's yeah. almost like he's yes. trying right. to tell the audience, perhaps there is a director, perhaps there in quotes, of course, I'm not saying that, you know, yeah, but an intelligent evil, right. That is sending these, you know, things into different rooms, into different places. And it's possible. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, I, I think, so. well, we, we as modern Western Christian Americans, mm-hmm. <laughs> Westerners, uh, don't think about the spirit realm accurately, mm. and so we we sp- sp- spirits don't have the same scientific laws that we conform to in the spirit realm and in the physical realm, and so. So the only way we can so, so, so all we can do is think about things in parables and analogies. And so when I say intelligent evil and 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 there he's sort of showing in the film that there is uh someone a puppet master um sending these things to terrorize people. Well sure, and I don't want to say necessarily Satan. I think it's I think it's way more complicated than just one entity. I think there's Sure. There's all sorts of there's all sorts of um, agendas and, and things going on and assignments on people and, and, uh, and, and, you know, some, some of these people, the, the gentlemen we see on the screen, I just, I, I just like these people. I wish I could just sit with them <laughs> over a cup of coffee or something. And just yeah. all of them, they're just, they're just, you know, they're, they're very different people. And my heart breaks uh, for him, but you can see these spiritual experiences have spiraled some of them just into really awful directions. Yeah. And as they try to, as they try to manage their sleep paralysis, they try to think about it. Um, so I can't remember when they mentioned it, but somebody, maybe this guy, but he, they, they've talked about energy. You know, they know they're going to have an episode whenever they, they feel vibration. Yeah. Power, you know, and that, that is a classic spiritual experience. Mm. Not just a, uh, not, not just, you know, that's a, that's a classic, you know, Earlier in, in, the, in this recording, I lost the internet. I mean, it's a, it's a classic indication of a spiritual activity. I just don't lose the internet. I mean, that often. <laughs> right. I just we 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 have uh, in my house. My wife has Zoom calls literally all day, every day, and the the three children all have Zoom meetings through their remote learning, distance learning at school. Sure. You know, and the, no one in the family has anything on the internet going on right now because they know I'm recording and, and they don't want to mess up that. And then it just clacked. Right, when we're talking about the Lord. It crashed, and <laughs> you know, you'll edit this so people won't notice in the recording. But I'm like, oh, I knew what it was. I was mad, of course, you know. And I prayed about it, and, I, and then I rebooted the router. I did the physical thing and the spiritual <laughs> thing. You know, and rebooted my computer, and some, something worked. I don't know what, but but the biblical word for that when it when it is power i mean it, yeah. it is energy it's power and like the like the greek word in the new testament for it is like enter and i can't even say it i don't know i have to ask emily <laughs> energomaton or something it's and you know we get the word energy from it but that's what 
you know, the energy of the Holy Spirit, the physical power. Well, there's other spirits too besides the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And when some of these other spirits, man, you know, touch people, they are manifest on people. There's a physical reaction, and sometimes, even in the Bible, you know, people will have a seizure or something when the spirit is being cast out. But you know, it doesn't have to be that that obvious. It can just be, it can just be your hair raising. Mm. And you don't know, you know, well, because your body is picking up on an, an electric field, if you will, that is that is manifesting in the physical from the spiritual. And, you know, don't ask me to explain it. I, I don't know why. I just that's just that's how I think about it. Yeah. And when that happens, you know, we pick up, you know, we our senses pick up on things, even non-seers. Mm. You know, you just you, you get creeped out. You walk into a room and something not right in this room. Yeah. Well, that's then it's time to pray and <laughs> make it right. Because the power of the Holy Spirit can definitely, you know, can can fix that. Right. Because we're not supposed to live in haunted houses. We're not supposed to live in dark spiritual houses. We're supposed to live in, in peace and God's shalom. That that, and the, the the you know the Hebrew word shalom, peace. It doesn't mean like the Buddhist peace where they just sort of are passive. <laughs> it, it means a dynamic, active peace where you're bringing God's justice and God's purity and God's holiness and yeah. God's peace to a situation like the, the character on the screen now is he's not experiencing God's peace, even though he's having a, a really, you know, a vision in his dream, a, yeah. a hallucination. And he calls on God, but that's not quite good enough because there's lots of deities that will respond to that. Mm. You got to call on the name of the Lord. Yeah. And what, what I like about what you're saying and that what that one person emailed you about sleep paralysis and stuff, and you just said, well, I just emailed her like a prayer that I came up with that on the spot. And that's very biblical in the sense that there isn't an incantation. There isn't this hocus pocus, like you have to say these words in, these, in this order. For God, it, all he wants is for you to ask for his help, to know that you trust him. There isn't like an incantation. There isn't a, you know, a, a particular prayer that works. It's just what's in your heart. And you have, you yeah. know, and yep. that's, it's that so, simple. Sometimes people will want like aids to their faith. You know, they want like holy water or oil, whatever. But that's, that's fine. But that's, the power is not in the prayer. The power is in the person. Yeah. And when you set your mind on the Lord, just like if you set your mind on sin or set your mind on a demon, things might manifest. And they, they show this earlier and later in the film mm. where um, a couple of the people are in the woods and they set their mind on a demon and then sure enough, a, a spirit comes. Well, set your mind on the Lord. That's <laughs> <You know? laughs> the same thing of calling out to the, to Christ. Yeah. You know, that's why I, I said, even if you can't say it out loud, just do it in your mind. Mm. And it's because and then he responds because he's the Lord and these other things don't react well to it. I, I have on the website a, a, uh, an article called uh, Spiritual Protection Before Sleep. And I was doing research about seers throughout history mm. and throughout um, throughout history of uh, the Western Church. And I, I came across a prayer from the 4th or 5th century. And it's translated. I can't read Latin, but it's translated into English. But this prayer written by a monk in the 4th or 5th century is about it just describes sleep paralysis. I mean, it just describes it, but he's interpreting it as a, a spiritual attack. Mm. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful long poem. It's a long poem. 
and the line, the, the climax of the poem says, vanish for Christ is with us away. Tis Christ the Lord. The sign thou must acknowledge condemns thy hellish horde. And it's a pretty great English translation. It goes on. The cross dispels all darkness, all sin before it flies. And by that sign protected, the mind all fear defies. You know, so setting your mind on the cross is what he's doing. He's setting your mind on Christ and on the cross. It's not the motion of the cross. It's not the symbol of the cross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's setting your mind on what happened on the cross. Yeah. What Jesus did when he defeated the enemy. And, and, and anyway, I, I just, I'll send you the, I'll send you the link and, Please. Uh, to yeah. the, it's just it's just it's just a great it's a an awesome poem and I, I sent it out last year in a post and I immediately got replies mm. in the email I was like my goodness I how did you know I needed this I'm like well I didn't mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just came across it and God said send it out and so I sent it out and you know it was for that one person maybe yeah, yeah. Ah. here's another guy I just wish I could meet this this fellow he's just so broken yeah. you can tell he's broken He's just shattered. His psyche is shattered like, by his horrible experiences. Yeah, he talks about having physical pain, that he actually yes. feels the physical pain so that when he comes out of it, he still feels the, you know, the after effect of that pain. And he's come to yeah. the conclusion that if it, kill, it, it, it may kill him. And if that happens, well, that's just something he's accepted. That's how it's affected him. To the point yeah. that it's just he for him. That's it. It's it's going to kill me someday, and I just have to accept that. And it's yeah. it, th- that's really heartbreaking. That that's it is so heartbreaking. It's gotten to, me. to that point for him. Yep. He and he's you know he's obviously I think he's seen a psychiatrist even, and they probably try to give him drugs. He, he's probably been diagnosed with some mental illness, and he's like, no, I'm not mentally. These are experiences I'm having. I'm not yeah. making it up. It's not a chemical imbalance, and you know there's no cure for sleep paralysis. You know they're, they're saying, "Well, I'll just try to try to cut back on the caffeine." And I say, "They, I'm, I'm, you can't tell, but I'm motioning to these scholarly articles sure, sure. that I have from from, from medical journals." Mm-hmm. But they say, "Oh, just try to cut back on your caffeine, or try to cut back on your stress, or exercise, and eat better." Well, all those things are probably a good thing to do, um, but these people know that. I mean, these people have researched it, and this is not. Like, this doesn't work. Yeah. And I just, I hope, I'm sure these people will watch the film and they'll see the one woman's testimony that's coming up. And I hope they try it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And yeah, that's the, and right now what they're talking about is in pop culture, them seeing things in pop culture that directors have used, you know, and how they see things. And they're like, Oh my gosh, that they, they, whoever made this movie has obviously experienced it or have, you know, heard something like this. Like they talk about, uh, you know, Freddy Krueger. He's like, you know, he has the hat, like, you know, the, the, Mm -hmm. the brim Mm -hmm. hat. And a lot of people see the shadow man or one of them, like they see the leader is wearing that hat. And that must be where, you know, Wes Craven, or I forget who the, the director of that movie yeah, was. Yeah, Wes Craven. Yeah. Wes Craven. He must yeah. have either talked to somebody or know, or he experienced it himself, but has, you know, seen that figure. Because why would Freddy Krueger wear that hat? And, you know, they yeah, see now, just is that in the, the director. We, Go ahead. 
But the director we just saw, I think it was a director. He was sharing his own story. Yeah, his yeah. yeah Rodney Asher, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but in fact, you're seeing the Freddy Krueger. I mean, he... I've never seen those movies. I was not allowed to watch those movies when I was a kid. Sure. And then a little bit later in my life, I realized that watching those horror movies was not help, helpful for me spiritually or for my family, actually. So I, I just sort of avoid uh, movies like that, generally, the gore ones. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, I I think he read about these monks in India or the Himalayas. Or I'm sorry. I'm being culturally insensitive, but somewhere oh, in Asia. Yeah. And you know, where they like 50 people died from sleep paralysis. Mm. Like that's not a physical response. We are human. We are physical creatures that are meant to live, not, not die. Yeah. And it's sleep. very hard to kill a person. It, 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 right. <laughs> like, right. Like, yeah, I saw and this, I mean, uh, sorry. I saw this, uh, documentary on a guy who makes, uh, execution machines, you know, like, you know, gas chambers and, you know, mm -hmm. electric chairs. He he talks about how difficult it really is to actually take somebody's life. It is a very yeah. hard thing to do. And so if in your sleep a person dies, there has – especially 50 people like you mentioned. Yes. Eesh, there's... I want an anthropologist or a missionary or somebody to go in there and do some more research. Cause I, I'm reminded of the, of the film – of the Exorcist movie. Mm. In the Exorcist, you know, you have someone who's manifesting a demon and – and then the Roman Catholic priest is actually a psychologist or psychiatrist, whichever one. He didn't believe in the supernatural. You know, he's just like someone like him to go in and research because he eventually by the end of the movie he does. But, you know, it's like I, I want what was going on in that town? What were, what in the world was going on mm. that that a, a clinical researcher wouldn't notice? But someone who has some, ex, you know, maybe a different worldview yeah. would say, oh, that's what triggered it. That mm -hmm. occult activity was going on, or there was this curse, or there was this, there was this sin, you know, I don't know. Right. It, well, that, I just wonder. That's something on. interesting because um, we talk about how, you know, it's, it's a question that a lot of young people ask pastors and stuff, where, well, there was a lot of, you know, you know possessions back in the Bible days, but there's no possessions today. You know, and so, <laughs> yeah. right. And, you know, and so a lot of the answers that I've heard is that, well, there are possessions in third world countries where they are pagan. There's, they have supernatural beliefs here in the first world countries. We don't worship other demon, you know, deities. We don't worship pagan things. We worship, sure we don't. you know, <laughs> but we worship power. We worship greed. We worship yeah. sex. We worship ourselves you know, popularity. So that is where demons dwell in money, in greed, in power, in wherever we, anything that takes us away, our focus away from God. And it just seems that that's, it seems interesting, but then we have things like this, where people in first world countries who have absolutely no spiritual understanding are having these spiritual <laughs> attacks. Yeah. Well, I think, I think people who who think that there aren't spiritual oppression going on <laughs> in the West are um, completely deluded. I mean, there's a movement right now. You know, obviously people are going to listen to this asynchronously, but there's a movement right now in the United States where that is being led uh, by people who are saying, "Say their name, say their name," and, and they admit the leaders of this movement admit to trying to conjure the spirits of the dead. Mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and the followers are, are rioting and burning buildings and um, attacking people. And it's just, and sure. a lot of us are watching this go on and we're thinking this has to be demonic. It just, it makes no sense. And sure enough, uh, my wife pointed out, Oh, do you know the leaders of this movement are actually admitting that they are trying to call on the spirits of these, of these uh, slain people. Hmm. I'm like, Oh yeah. So uh, yes. And they admit it. It's, 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 it's an open, it's not even a secret. They just admit it. Right. So, I mean, I think we're going to see a, ri- a rise in occultism, not because there's a rise of occultism in the West, but because the atheist materialist worldview that has been espoused for the last hundred years is so, um, is so vacuous and people are just rejecting it and they want to be spiritual. You know, people well, say, I want to be spiritual, not sure. religious. And so as they turn back to the pagan, you know, spirituality, they're going to recognize things that before they, that were always going on. And they're like, oh, that's actually a spiritual manifestation. So I, I think occultism has always been around. It's just, it was, it was cloaked. And I think so, one of the, one of these people even mentions it. It was just cloaked in the different, mm. in different phrasing, I mean, you know, UFO right. abductions, for instance. Right. You know, oh, I was abducted by aliens. Well, no, you're probably attacked by a demon. Mm. <laughs> you know I mean? Well, because that's the thing is that on the, you know, in the, it's easy for people in the, you know, in the South and in the Bible Belt to call themselves a Christian when they aren't actually there. They, you know, there's a lot of people who do drugs and who get drunk and stuff, but they say, oh, I'm a Christian, you know, and then on, yeah. the, but on the coasts, they, you know, Christianity isn't such a thing. And, but they still want to believe in something, you know? And so yes. they call themselves spiritual. And even like, right. it's funny that it, it, I just came to mind, Amy Schumer, the comedian, does this, this sketch where she talks about, I think, uh, Bill Nye. You know, it's, it, and mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a sketch. It's funny. But, you know, they talk about how the universe, you know, scientists always wondered what the universe was. And it turns out that it's just, you know, the universe is actually something that allows... 20 year old girls, you know, to, to buy clothing and to go on dates because young girls and literally I've heard this my whole life say, Oh, the universe wanted me to have this or the universe is, you know, leading me right. to yep. this because everybody well, wants that's... to believe in something, but they don't want, you know, and that's the, the kind of the frustrating thing is that as long as I don't have to do anything for it and it just gives me things, then I'm happy to believe in it. You know, yeah. well, there's is... no, yeah, it's love without truth or love without uh, repentance or conviction. It's it's, it's inherently um, pagan. The whole the universe thing, the universe wanted me to have it. The universe, this that is such a monist or a, or a gnostic mentality. And one of these, one of these, this is a horrible scene, by the yeah, way, it's terrifying. Um, well, it's just that is. That's what happens whenever you have tens of thousands of yoga classes mm. uh, throughout the whole you know, United States and maybe only a few hundred Bible studies. Mm. You know, the whole society is being reshaped to think like Eastern mist, uh, mysticism. Sure. And that, that, that's on purpose. I mean, that, that was planned, even going back all, all back to Carl Jung. You know, that he and one of, the, one of these characters actually alludes to uh, that she says something and says, well, that's kind of very Jungian. And then I thought, well, it's kind of funny because the spirit that inspired Young with some of his ideas, maybe all of his ideas, uh, looks just like 
these alien gray creatures that another mm. um, another one of the uh, characters has drawn, and you know they they, they act out in, here in the movie. So I mean, and and I'm not just making that up. He 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 drew it, and we have you know we have his his papers. We know what the, the creature looked like. I can't remember what his name is, but it's just it's obviously it's a worldview war. It's a spiritual war. This is absolutely a spiritual war, a holy war, sure. um, waged unbeknownst to uh, you know the sleeping masses who are just being shaped by uh, by the culture industry. I was. I, I love it. This right. this Go movie ahead. is trying to just engage deeper. Yeah, <laughs> I was wondering whether or not to bring this up because it's weird and it's based on. Mm -hmm. I have a theory that is based on very little, but. Mm -hmm. Uh, I read an article one time, and it's totally, you know, Christian, and it's, I never looked it up to back it up or anything to see where, you know, where the validity of this. But they say that people who are in, they, they took MRIs of people who are praying, and they show mm -hmm. that there's parts of their brain that, that light up or click when, that don't work at any other time, you know, yeah. or very yeah. few mm -hmm. other times. And so personally in my experiences and in a lot of my friends experiences who take uh and i've only done it once or twice when i was you know when i was a drug taker but L lsd mm -hmm. where i've done other drugs and my friend and i know people who have done a lot of other drugs that i've never had lsd is a particular one that where people have spiritual experiences no other yep. drug, cocaine, even marijuana that is like a Rastafarian thing, which is kind of semi-Christian, they don't take mm -hmm. it for spiritual purposes. It's more of a communion. But LSD is something that people come off of it saying there was a connection to the universe. I felt connected. Yeah. I felt part of something bigger. And mm -hmm. we can even look to Timothy Leary, who was the godfather of LSD you know, mysticism. He was an atheist alcoholic professor at Harvard who went into mm -hmm. the jungles of Mexico to mm -hmm. study the psychedelic mushrooms. And he came back with this huge spiritual, you know, turnaround. And he became this weirdo, mystical, Eastern thing, person who believed that acid was a way of connecting people to the you know to the to the other realm so my theory based on very little other than that is that there is there might be a part of our brain that god has there that we all have all human beings have call it whatever you want an antenna a you know a phone line whatever that connects us spiritually to god mm -hmm. and this is why Science has not destroyed faith or religion. Most people, most people believe that there's something out there. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because we all feel a connection to the cosmos, for lack of a better word. You know? And acid, LSD, chemically messes with that part of our brain. And I think it's artificial yeah. mostly, but I don't doubt that, you know, demons or, you know, other spirits can use that to take advantage of that. But I do think that there is a part of our physical brain, which is why most atheists, you know, most people aren't atheists. Most people believe in something because they, they feel something. Yeah. 
Um, you ever think about why marijuana was called the gateway drug? Eh, because, you know. It's the gateway to more drugs? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> or maybe, and that's that's how I was taught, but I think I, I had a lot of people who have written to me saying, oh, it's the gateway, opens a gateway, mm. not to more drugs, but to other realities, to mm. spirit, spirit realm. I think that part of the brain you're talking about is the pineal gland. Huh. The pineal gland. It's a tiny part of the of the brain, a real tiny part, a little gland, and it, they call it pineal gland because it kind of looks like a pine cone, and it well it regulates sleep, it regulates sex hormones, and it uh, also seems to have something to do with prayer, meditation, spiritual experiences. And from time to time, people will, will – there's a whole – in the whole pagan realm, there's all of these ideas about activate your third eye, activate the pineal gland, try, right, to, right. try to activate that somehow artificially. I think, uh, I think that's, that's not wise, but when we do pray, when we have spiritual experiences, that part of the brain is activated somehow. And it's also interesting how it regulates sleep. The third thing I forgot that's really interesting. One is sleep. Two is um, hormones. Uh, yeah, the sex hormones. And three is gigantism. Huh. Gigantism. You mess with mess with that sucker artificially in a child. Not only will their sex organs develop quickly, um, they may suffer from uh, gigantism. That's interesting because that's where I heard it before. I never heard of it anywhere else. I, I was wondering where I heard from where because I know of, of that, but I didn't know where I have. And you, yeah, I think that's where I've heard it. Yeah, and so you know, you want to. This is a rabbit trail. I, I didn't really prepare to go down, but sure, sure. <laughs> so, throughout history, there is, uh, you know, there are uh, stories and myth of. This is this is why sleep paralysis sometimes takes on a sexual thing, mm. a sexual, spiritual sleep. It, it's it's something going on there, and um, in a lot of societies, there are lots of examples of um, s sexual things going on with spirits and giants, all sort of related to each other. And I'm and I'm pretty convinced it's all tied into um, things being things manipulating in, in that area of the brain and the things that shouldn't be done <laughs> you know, <laughs> on purpose. But yeah, there's something to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And this is why people will never, you'll never kill. You know, the only way to, to kill, to kill that would be um, if you could numb the pineal gland, maybe through uh, dumping a bunch of fluoride in people's water for 60 years mm. and, uh, you know, and then maybe numbing that, and then, oh wait, did I? That's a conspiracy theory. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Um, anyway, there is. It's helpful to be healthy in how what we consume, so our brain works how it's supposed to work. Sure, sure. And artificially <laughs> abusing that part of the brain with with uh, fluoride, 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 water with fluoride in it. Mm -hmm. Fluoride in it. Florida. That thing that you're supposed to drink and it's supposed to make your teeth stronger. Sure, Florida, Florida, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I don't think it's real healthy. Hmm. Um, and I and there is evidence that it does actually um, calcify 
uh, impurities build up in that part of the brain. And over time, what happens to a whole society when you do that to them? Does it disrupt their sleep? Does it disrupt their ability to have healthy sexual relationships? Does it affect their ability to, uh, does it maybe produce super large humans? I mean, I don't know. I, this is all just speculation. Um, but uh, we do know scientifically that that, that that part of the brain does impact those those things. And sure. the rest of it is just a narrative that you can reject. Yeah. <laughs> they just accept. well they just uh <laughs> mentioned here about the 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 demon that sits on your chest that that's yeah. actually in paintings that's a lot you know they're talking about that right now that happens a lot and the story that they just had was a guy who saw a you know this giant figure with red eyes staring at him and mm -hmm. at the same time the woman sleeping next to him saw a cat sitting yes. on his chest talking in a weird language. And in fact, he, his dream was this person was saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And what she was experiencing was this cat with the same red eyes talking in a demonic voice, a different language. Mm -hmm. But they were both having the same experience. And now... In the movie, they're going through all of the different cultures in throughout the world who have names for these figures because they've all seen it. They've all experienced it. And it's getting yeah. it's more and more terrifying the more we delve into that. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I mean, oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, the two people sharing the same dream, that, that you know... The materialist in me wants to say, well, maybe his maybe his brainwaves are so powerful that they were impacting her brainwaves. And <laughs> and then then her brain was interpreting it that way. But really, all someone needed to do is like, in the name of Jesus, get out. <laughs> right. I mean, like we were going to turn our lives to you, Lord. And you protect us from this. That's just really what I want. You know, I just want to shake these people like stop. You know, <laughs> oh, it's horrible. You know, the, the, make these things not welcome and don't be so accepting of of them and like, well, it's one of these days, one of these days it's going to kill me. Oh, wow. Okay, well, that's a self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy, you know? Yeah. That's not how we're supposed to live. We're not supposed to live in fear. Yeah. And we're, we're just, we're not. And, and the Bible talks about fear a lot, you know? Yeah. And one of the commands it says a lot is don't fear. <laughs> it's like, right. fear not. And, well, and, and that's the thing that I kind of bring up is that the opposite of love isn't hate. Uh, some people say right. that the opposite of love is indifference, to not actually care at all. But biblically speaking, fear is a big motivator to run away, yeah. to not engage with God, to not engage with other people, our neighbors, to not yeah. yeah, it's fear, and that seems to me, looking around, that that's what's kind of keeping people away from what not hatred, it's fear. And not and fear yeah. is not trusting God, you know, because God yeah. takes away fear and brings people together, makes people love one another, understand one another, and fear just drives people away. And when I was when I was in when I was in youth ministry, I had a lot of uh, the third church. I was I was part of three church plants, and the third one, I had a lot of very not a lot. I had a, a very few 
um, students who came, but they were all very broken. And they were so, and I had a couple of girls who would come and they would, they just wanted to come. They didn't care about the message. They didn't care about the small group. They wanted to worship because mm-hmm. I would dim the lights and I'd have a, a, a worship playlist. And then we would, we would worship together and then we would, um, we would, uh, then we'd pray for each other. Um, and I taught the kids how to pray for each other. And she just, she, and we would skip, we would skip, uh, you know, over, take summer off, right? We wouldn't meet over summer. And this one student would beg, can we please have youth group? Can we please have youth group? I need to have, I need to worship. Mm. And I'd say, we need to worship by ourselves. She said, no, I need to worship. I, I'm terrified. I am so scared. And, you know, and, and I'm like, well, are you self-harming? No, I'm not self-harming. I'm just scared. I'm like, okay. You know, then we, so we do a worship night and then it just like four or five of them would come, but they just, and they wanted to worship and because the worship kept the fear away and, mm-hmm. and the community worship, communal worship. And, and most, the other church youth groups didn't quite get it. Um, the kids weren't serious. You know, they, they were there for the games or for the, you know, the, the flur. And, and that's, I'm not criticizing that, sure. but, but some students really were there to worship. They really wanted to have an encounter mm-hmm. because they were, their lives are so miserable. Um, you know, this one student I'm thinking of, she, her dad's not, was not in her life and her mom was working like two or three jobs and she was really shy and didn't have a lot of friends. And all she had was God. <laughs> That's all she had, you know, yeah. she didn't need counseling. She, I mean, she probably needed counseling, but she wasn't getting counseling. She just needed, she just wanted to worship because mm-hmm. she was scared and the worship kept the fear away. Yeah. And they choose so they always so excited to come. As soon as the doors open, these these two or three these girls will be like, "We're so excited to be here." And even the guys, would they they wouldn't act so excited because they were they were cool, you know, they're guys. Sure, yeah, yeah, I've but, seen that. <laughs> they were, yeah, but they were there too because they were also scared. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this story here, where um, she thinks the mother, the ghost of the mother, was manifesting to her. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe the first time that may have been the mother somehow manifesting to her as a as a ghost, but that's not going to continue and. You know, if you're listening or watching the movie and you think, oh, I want to try to reach out to my dead mom, don't do that. Yeah. Okay. There's only one spirit we should be talking to. Yeah. That's the, that's the Holy Spirit. And just because, you know, your your past, your, your parent or an aunt or something that passed away, maybe appears to you right after the death or whatever. And, you know, you don't know what to do with that theologically. I mean, don't need to go down the rabbit trail too much, but just let it be what it is. Mm. All right. If 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 God the Father said, you know what, go say bye to your little girl, or go say bye to your your son. Um, don't linger. God gets to give permission to to humans to do that. And yeah. you know, I I, I can I can I can show you in Scripture. If you don't agree with me, I can actually show it to you. Um, we have to go kind of deep, but I, I can show it to just email me, sure. and we'll, we can look at it. But but my point is, don't reciprocate by trying to talk to the human dead ever mm-hmm. um because one how can you know who you're talking to is actually what you think it is and two because because enemy spirits can impersonate the human dead right and and it's just dumb. there's only one spirit you should be talking to and that's the spirit of jesus and he is all you need right <laughs> so you know i'm sorry you know especially now we had so many people who've died and we weren't able to say goodbye to them because they were in the nursing home or in a hospital, mm. and 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 that's awful. And it doesn't mean we need to go try to bring them back in a seance. 
for yeah. acknowledge if we're being visited at night. If you're being visited at night, you need to clean that house. You need to clean your room. You need to tell the spirits they're not really welcome. They need to go to where God, to where Jesus has prepared for them. Mm-hmm. And your home needs to be free and at peace yeah. from enemy intrusion. Yeah, and but then th- this is another interesting thing that may have already passed. But uh, a guy was saying that, which is again makes it makes the case of spirituality much more, you know, visible. That he, you know, he figured out that if he left the TV on, then mm-hmm. they wouldn't come. But then eventually that wouldn't work, and so he had two TVs on, and that worked, and then then it didn't. And then after a while he had three TVs and then mm-hmm. that worked for a while, but then it, and he said he kept adding televisions. Into That's creepy. Room. <laughs> yeah. But then he said that eventually it was almost like it learned. It figured out how to deal yeah. with whatever, you know, whatever you do to, to get rid of it. It just learns whatever it is, you know, and that's the most, terrifying thing is that again it's it's i again i i'm as grounded as you can be i don't you know i you know i i try to figure out just let's try to figure out the most rational explanation for this but there are things that we can't do that with you know and again the answer isn't that and this is the scene that i'm talking about this one of the figures one of the actors in the uh you know in the costume actually is Mm -hmm. moving from one room of one of the characters we're talking to through a hallway. And now a stagehand comes in and puts on a robe on this person. And now is walking through a different to torment another person that we're, you know, that is being interviewed. And that's kind of like the director telling us that maybe they're all the same. Maybe they're all, all these people are talking about, you know, their own experiences Maybe they're not so different, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. And there's a, and I like the idea of intelligent evil being being behind it. Yeah, yeah. And again, and what you mentioned, it's not a specific incantation. It's not no. a magic spell. It's just calling on Jesus. However, you yeah. want to do it, just you know, do it. I just that when I watched this this scene, I watched it actually last night. When I jumped, yeah, <laughs> this, I know. this is a terrifying scene. It is, and this is why I was when she said, "I just remember this man, this name," and she says it. I'm like, I cannot believe this movie went there, and this is like totally awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I've heard of situations where you know people who are they call themselves psychics, and they're just extremely spiritually sensitive people who are not aligned with Jesus. But they, they describe hearing things like this, you know, things screaming at them, things talking to them, and they will sleep with their fans on, you know, for white noise to drown out the, the voices they hear. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, my wife sleeps on a fan because she wants to drown out the cars driving by, but, you know, other people are doing it because they hear voices. Sure. Um, I, that, that, the scene with the, you know, the... the the guy who was talking about the, the TVs mm-hmm. in his room. I mean, I, thought, I was thinking of Poltergeist. You know, remember the movie oh, Poltergeist yeah. when the things were coming out of the staticky TV? Yeah. My daughter uh, once described seeing something on the wall, and she described it looking like a. This is when she was awake. She just pointed to the wall. Oh, look, there's a TV in the wall. Where'd that come from? Um, I'm looking at this blank. The, the wall is nothing there, and she described staticky 
TV, uh, but it was not. But she'd never seen that in real life because you know she, those are a thing of the past. She never saw. She never seen a staticky TV before. And I'm like, I just said, well, maybe it's some kind of portal. I don't know. And I prayed and I tried to close it, you know, and then it disappeared and she never saw it again. Mm. So I, uh, anyway, this is great. This felt like a victory. Yeah. I bet it did feel like a victory. And they never came back is what she says. Yeah. I wasn't even a Christian then. And she said, I I abhorred religion. Yeah. You know, and she just caused, you know, called, you know, on Jesus and, you know. Caused a worldview shift. Yeah. That's what repentance is. It caused a worldview. Supernatural experiences can lead to repentance. That happened to Paul. Yeah. Paul had a, the Apostle Paul he had a supernatural experience that changed his whole theology. He had the same Bible. It just changed his interpretation of it. Right. You know? And, I mean, supernatural experiences, and when we have people who are super, having supernatural experiences, this is when we have to bring in the, the correct worldview, mm-hmm. uh, the gospel-centered worldview. I mean, look how much peace she has. Yeah. You know, she's like, well, I'm, maybe it's physiological, physi- physiological society. I don't know. She she studied it. She she knows what the doctors are saying. She probably read some of these articles. But and, she's thinking, I don't know. It's spiritual. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the thing is that I, and, you know, people here have, you know, heard me talk about how I, in my 20s, was a real degenerate. I was into drugs and sex and, you know, trying to figure out. And I just could not get myself right i was just in a i had everything i wanted i had friends girls liked me you know i had i went out and had fun at night and i was always miserable and i didn't know why and i you know and i I talked about this in my interview and um on faith and other oddities that you know I, I had everything I wanted and I didn't know why I was still miserable. You know, most people who talk about drugs, they talk about how it destroyed their lives and they were left in the gutter. I was in a good place, you know, as far as I, what I thought was a good place. And I was always miserable. And then I came to Christ and I figured this is the only thing I never tried. And then I like it made things so much better and it didn't fix all my problems. And I was still suffering mm-hmm. with depression and sadness, but I didn't feel alone anymore. And yeah. when I had my Christian friends ask me, so what was it? Was it the satisfaction that you were going to heaven? Was it the satisfaction that, you know, that there was another side? And I'm like, no, I don't know what it was. I just felt you know, better. And again, Christian. I still struggle, but now I don't struggle sure. alone. It's a mistake to think that, Christianity is about getting into heaven. It's more about getting heaven into us Mm. and living eternal, eternal life. Does that mean, does not mean living forever in heaven. It it means living that life that we'll have in heaven someday now with that peace and that resoluteness and the security, even with the chemical imbalances that cause depression or the sin that we do and or the consequences that we have to live with from the past or, I mean, all these things, it doesn't, like you said, it's not an end to problems, but it is still living eternal life now. Mm. Even even as we age and die and, you know, we struggle and everything, it, it's living with that heaven inside us and then drawing on that, mm. you know, so when we do meet adversity, 
you know, wood spirits like this person does. <laughs> we have a resource available. You know, we can we can approach it more like Jesus did. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus Jesus had adversity. Yeah. It didn't it didn't shake him. And that's something that I think we all need to kind of figure out. Something that weighs heavy on me since you mentioned it about these protesters and they're causing chaos and they're calling on the name of the dead. And I've heard that. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying mm-hmm. to not, I, I've been trying to ignore it because I'm very much on the left leaning side. And I'm very much, you know, I, I, my heart breaks for people who justice is not shown to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it breaks my heart to see Christians going towards a man who is immoral and blah, blah, blah. And I could say whatever. We, I, I'm not getting into mm-hmm. a political discussion, but it's easy mm-hmm. for me to look at people that I disagree with and tell them you're wrong. And perhaps they mm-hmm. are. But the more I do that, I don't look at my own side. And it's very easy to ignore, to, to look at the opposition and say you're wrong and everything I'm doing is right. When, like, I, like you mentioned, and I'm not saying that there isn't injustice in the world, but if people on my side are calling on the name of the dead you know, mm-hmm. and I want to ignore that. But just because the opposition might be wrong doesn't mean that my side is 100% right. It's that That's the trap that we fall into, is thinking that we're the right I mean, ones and they're the wrong ones. Whoever, whichever oh, side God's, we're right? God's <laughs> justice is what we... Yeah, that's what we need. You said something that was really interesting earlier, and I, I almost uh, followed up with it. You said something... That, you know, you have people in the Bible Belt, and they say they're Christians, but they don't live like it. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what's really interesting. And you mentioned people on the East Coast, or the, particularly the East Coast. People on the East Coast, the upper Northeast Coast, New England, they maybe don't identify as Christians. But you know what? A lot of them live like it. Mm. Okay? A lot of those people have the morality that they inherited from uh, the Calvinist. You know? they, they have really good morality. They don't have the faith structure. Mm. And the irony is the people who have the faith structure don't have the morality. Mm. We wonder why this country is at war with itself. And it's just, you can see it. You know, it's like both sides look at each other and say hypocrisy. Well, of course, everyone's hypocritical. That's not the point. The (laughs) point is, how do we unite around, um, how how do we unite around God's justice, God's shalom? And, and you, you, you know, you, that's, that's why, I mean, it's, it's, it's a cliche, but it's so true. The solution isn't politics. It is love. It is Christ centered love mm-hmm. where we reach across the aisle and we find commonality. And what's going on in this country is a, very much a worldview clash. Yeah. But, but it's, you know, it, it's, and it's, it's a very deep thing. Yeah. And it's, the reconciliation that has to happen has to start with people reconciling to God and then they can reconcile to each other. Yeah. You know, and it has to be a lot of repentance, you know, <laughs> and the Christian community just has to repent of their sin and, and like live out who they really are. Mm. And then the, the community that's not Christian, but are acting like it, they need to repent of their sin and then embrace the Lord and continue living out. I mean, how much more power will people who yeah. have holy lives you know, holy lives, you know, they're living righteous lives. Mm-hmm. 
and that they have the Holy Spirit with empowering that too further. You know, that's the solution. I, I feel like we're on the verge of a great revival in this country. Yeah, I mean, and it will stop looking. <laughs> you know, stop looking to the news and Facebook and yeah. all that for for salvation and start looking to the Lord. I, I think, and not just saying it. You know, that certain man he said it, but he didn't. You know, I, you need more than words. You need actions. You know. Mm. Reconciliation yeah. is not words. It's loving or actually loving our actual neighbors. Yeah. Most of us don't even know who our neighbors are. And because I, 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 I've been thinking a lot about the woman at the well with Jesus. And now, of yeah. course, this, this happens on this podcast all the time. We go on a rabbit trail and now we're talking about Christ and we forget about the movie, which is fine. That's, that's, yeah. that's, if that happens, then that's cool. But the woman at the well who Jesus talked to who mm-hmm. and a lot of people say, well, that's the people that we hate, you know, the 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 um, uh, the Samaritans, the Jews hated them. And so Jesus is telling yeah. us to love the Samaritans. And that's true. But the thing about the woman at the well is he told her, you're worshiping wrong, though. Just so you know, yeah. you you yeah. have been doing it wrong. The Jews were right and you are wrong. But at the end of the day, I'm here now. And now we're all together. So it's not about, hey, I love you and I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong or I love you and, you know. Oh, right. Correct. Yes. She was worshiping wrong. And again, the idea is that even if somebody is wrong, you can still love them. And but there's a good but there's a right way and a wrong way to convict them of that. You know, and (laughs) that's. And that's that's the thing of it is that we focus we tend to focus on the thing that makes us feel good on how to do things, you know, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, that the the idea that the Samaritans and the good Samaritan and loving people that you disagree with, that's great. But if you disagree with them because they're wrong, then you can love them. But at the end of the day, if they're still wrong, you know, <laughs> it's. We, we kind of gloss over that portion of it, you know? Well, it's because we, we, we get our identity in being right. Mm. We need to have our identity oh, yeah. in being being Christ, with Christ. I mean, Christ looks at us all the time and go, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah. Well, you're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and yet he still walks with us. Yeah. It's, it's the journey. So, I mean, too many people get their identity in the wrong things. Yeah. And, they, and then they act from that. And, you know, and the last six months have been really hard for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, because you, you look around and you, you find yourself identifying as something that you're not. Well, something, put it this way, you're, you're getting your, not you, but people are getting their priorities of how they identify out of whack. Mm. And we need to put Christ first, literally. I mean, just... You know, and my wife and I will will be talking about things in, in the world and getting ourselves worked up. And I'm like, Ugh, we just, you know, we need to stop, stop identifying as, you know, a, a, stop identifying as an American with a certain point of view. Let's start identifying as a citizen of heaven here on this earth. Yeah. In this country or whatever country you're in um, and have that perspective. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then you can start addressing the hurt better. Yeah. 
And again, like like you mentioned, that you're we're we're ready for a great revival, which is interesting because a lot of people who have left the church, or who hate the church, are saying that the church is on its way out, that eventually the church is going to be, uh, you know, kind of be passed on, and maybe there'll be a few tiny groups of Christians here and there, but really it's going to be the country is going to be much more secular. And things will be better. And of course, that's what we all think, that once our side takes over, things will be much better. And well, it's the, never worked revival, out that way, no matter what yeah. happens. And revivals, revivals don't look, work out the way people who are called for them expect. Sure. I mean, there are the marginalized people the church has rejected, gays, um, marginalized communities, the tattooed, uh, you know, just... People of the church, God's going after him, mm-hmm. and he's going to go right around the, the institutions, and that's where we're going to see revival, right? And in in the U.S. and and I think around the world, and I, I think I think it'll be interesting. Like every revival is very tumultuous, but right. what's going to be great is a lot of people are going to meet the Lord, yeah. And but you know, but and again, they will they will manifest religion in ways that you know maybe older denominations, and by older, I mean. Denominations are older than forty years old. <laughs> Maybe sure, won't sure. like, but that but God gets to do it. It's His church. Yeah, and he again, yeah, and again, it's 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 the idea that you know uh, it's going to happen, and it's it, it it this the our faith, our church has gone through much worse than this. It's gone oh, yeah. through much worse, and it's come back strong, and then it's gone really terrible again, <laughs> and then yeah. and then it came back strong again. You know, church history is really depressing the, and interesting. <laughs> yeah, Christians are Christianity isn't terrible because Christianity is terrible. It's because people are involved and people <laughs> right. tend to make mistakes. And yeah. but we we get better. You know, we Jesus is always there for us, and mm-hmm. you know, even if we're attacked at night, there's always a, you know, he's always there to help us through it. And whether it's drugs, whether it's sleep paralysis, whether it's depression and anxiety, you know, and, and honestly, God, the way that I see God is through other people, you know, the love that I've seen through other Christians has been what's really drawn me to faith. And, and again, I'm not saying that those people are God. Yeah. Yeah. It's not how that those people are God. Like some people say that God's in all of us. It's the how God shows His love through other people, you know. I mean, that's how the church grew when it in the first three hundred years in a very hostile environment. It wasn't because of they were allied with the government. It wasn't because <laughs> yeah. they had power and they had money. It's because they had love. Yeah, and even when and they had, they had the, yeah, Go ahead. they had some answers too. They had yeah. some spiritual answers too to things going on. But right. it was behold how they love each other. Right. And again, even when the government was Christian, even when Christians were slaveholders, even when Christians, Christians still, you know, made themselves known and, you know, showed themselves and brought people to Christ in the worst yeah. times of Christianity and in the worst times of Christian oppression, you know, Christians have always been there, you know, and like I always bring this up when I, who was it, Elijah? was saying, just destroy them all, God. They're all terrible. <laughs> yeah. Just get rid yeah. of all Jews now. And he said, listen, 
I know that things look terrible, but right now there's tons of Jews who are bowing their heads to me, who are still good. You know, you can't lose hope just because a lot of them are terrible. You know, and again, I'm looking at this through the liberal perspective. I'm talking to everyone because I'm, I have to keep looking at myself and saying, are you really on the right side of this? Or are you just being very angry right now? Are you doing it the right way? Because we all have to convict ourselves. Because when pride is one of those dangerous things that leads us astray thinking that we're right, you know? And again, that, yeah. that's the thing that I'm worried about, that I keep convicting the conservatives. They're the terrible ones. But honestly, am, am I wrong? And we have to keep asking ourselves that because right. we might be. And we don't know it because our pride blinds us to that, which is what Satan wants, to be honest. That is, that is um, the difference between having a fixed mindset and a growth mindset is willing to question, mm. is this position I'm holding correct? You know, and trying to have a different perspective. Yeah. And analyzing it and chewing on it. And anyway, I, I <laughs> that's, that's where reconciliation comes from. Yeah. And anyways, as this happened many times before on this podcast, the movie's over. We stopped talking about <laughs> it, which is fine because as long as we end it with Christ, that's mm-hmm. kind of the point of this podcast. That's what I wanted with this podcast is well for the and, movie to bring no. Christ out, not for us to focus too much on the movie. People are going to be hearing about this, reading, listening to this long after current American yeah political situation has resolved itself or maybe is on a better path. Mm. The point of it is people are consumed with fear. Yeah. And all across fear and some anger and but fear is, is the big, is the big thing. And the solution to fear is, is God's love. I mean, not all fear is irrational, you know, but sure. Sure. Yeah. It, it's helpful. You can make better choices <laughs> you know, with, from a position of God's love. In a position of terror, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. When you started talking about the Black Lives Matter and the protesters, I was like, oh no, oh no, he's talking about the stuff, the people that I like. But again, mm-hmm. it's convicting because if there's something happening in our, on a, you know, on my side, I have to be honest about it because that's how I'm drawn astray, you know? But we well, we the, have a the, savior. We have someone who will ground us, and you know who will convict the people, us. <laughs> the people rallying to for justice and to over to address the gross inequalities in American society are are doing just that. Mm-hmm. My point of bringing that up was the next level the the violence that. That's, erupted right that and and it was ira- it's such irrational and you know and sometimes sometimes leaders throughout history have let their people riot as a as t- just a vent mm-hmm. but what's going on is not right component and then they just some of these leaders just kind of came out and said it mm. and then that's what was so shocking well the christians should be out saying we want God's justice and the gross to to and to bring and and you don't word it that way. I'm I'm not a 
this is not my ministry. It's not more, but I, I can look at society and, and say, oh my gosh, I cannot believe the gross inequalities here. This is outrageous. Where are the justice warriors? God's justice. I mean, social justice is part of God's heart. Mm-hmm. He talks about it all the time. I mean, Psalm 82, where is a spiritual warfare situation. He's talking about the powers and principalities, and the reason he's mad about them is because they are manifesting in society by oppressing the poor, mm. by oppressing the, the disenfranchised. I don't mean that literally. They weren't voting them. You know, the people who are the outcasts. I mean, they were manifesting sure. in ways that we would recognize today. Mm. And that's why I can look at what's going on in this country and see it as a, as a war of principalities. Mm. And the solution isn't more laws, isn't, isn't an election in November. The solution <laughs> is, is way deeper. Mm. And it is love. It is love. Yeah. And I will say that the president went up um, to Kenosha and a, a pastor, the, of a, the pastor of the family who, of the man who was shot, which triggered the riots there. Mm. He was in the group and he and the president invited him to pray. And that prayer was awesome. Mm. And they also kind of went after him saying, you know, they also went after him. But it was a prayer and, and the pastor's wife's hand went up. And, and and I was watching it, and I, and I felt the Holy Spirit move. I'm like, this is this is what we have to have. Yeah, is inviting people who don't agree with us to pray with us, mm. and then that because that that's the only thing that's really going to break down people's hearts. It's not arguing. It's not calling them names. It's not throwing rocks at them. Yeah. It's it's love. Behold how they love each other. Yeah. Black, white. Rich, poor, Greek, Jew, you know, free slave. Yeah, I mean, because you know, in Christ, we're yeah. <laughs> well, thank, thank you so much, Doug. This is <laughs> this has been wonderful. This again, this is my favorite thing that happens is when we and I mentioned it already, but when we start talking about the movie, but then we abandon the movie and we start talking about Christ. It's that's always been the best and, you know, and I, I hope people enjoyed it. Uh, this, because we, we delved into the documentary. So we did talk about that. And so as long as we're, we return <laughs> to Christ, that's always been, and, it, and honestly, it's been a, a fan favorite. Also, our listeners really do love when that happens. So thank you so much for being here, Doug. We really, really appreciate you. Uh, we hope we can, you'll do the podcast again. I have a feeling it you will, <laughs> not to i know, love it spoilers it's fun, so. but yeah yeah i it's good i appreciate it i love the opportunity and yeah it's always an honor to be a, a guest on, on 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 your show yeah and so thank you very much uh, again where can we find you uh, the website is searsc.com sears you know s-e-e-r-s c.com mm-hmm. you just you can get me on there i'm 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 off facebook at least for a while because sure. it's just yeah. <laughs> Too hard on my heart. We all understand. Yeah. <laughs> but, and you have but, a podcast uh, also, CRC also. Yeah. You can find it on there too. Um, it's a CRC podcast. And me and uh, I have some where I'm by myself, and then I have um, a guest, a host who uh, actually is a seer. I don't see it. This is fair realm, incidentally. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I have to approach it intellectually. Sure. But my, uh, uh, my, my uh, partner does and has all of his life. And so I think we have a, I'm excited. We we have some many more episodes coming out, so it's it's going to be interesting. So yeah. check it out. And you can get you email me through the website if you have any questions or any feedback. 
Yeah, and again, I, I've heard it. It's a really, really interesting and fascinating podcast. I totally recommend it. Uh, information will be on the uh, on the show notes also. So, uh, Doug, again, thank you for doing this. And uh, guys, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, this is going to go down as one of my favorites. So thank you guys very much. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. Bye. You've been listening to the Commentarians Podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thecommentarians. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives and of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them with you.